We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packers fans welcome into another edition of the pack a day podcast i am your co-host matt freelich alongside me once again is eli berkovitz uh janelle is unable to attend this recording she is being you know, trying to go to back-to-back titles for Ant of the Year, Eli, and really, really putting in a strong, strong, you know, second half of the year uh, effort to kind of claim that crown again on her end. But I know before we get into this, Eli, some people might give a shit, some people might not. How did the move go from last week? Are you done? You finished? You completed? Or do we still got stuff in boxes and everything's there? You're just figuring it out. So... Uh, the move, it's, it's not been too bad. I'm basically done. Uh, I'm still waiting on like one small piece of furniture to come in. But yeah, I, you know, I was planning this for a little bit. So I wanted to make sure that when I got here, it wasn't like a whole mess. So basically, yeah, I got together, got my stuff together pretty quickly. And now I'm just, yeah, you know, acclimating myself to this new environment. Good. Wonderful. Uh, Second order of business before we get into this episode is I kind of plugged it last week towards the end of the episode, which is normally when I will do that. If you stick around long enough, we'll plug all our socials, the Pack a Day podcast socials, and then where to check out the YouTube side of things, obviously on YouTube. But 
Um, I kind of previewed it last week with Andy having on some really, really good guests. Started off on Monday on the YouTube side, of course, with, uh, I believe it was Aaron Nagler was day one. Day two, we flipped over to Wes Hodkowitz, Peter Bukowski, who I thought might be a little spicier with Andy, but they were very civil. Justice Mosqueda, and then today on Friday, finished up with Dusty Evely. So if you haven't already watched those um, slash listen, they're 25 to 35 minutes. Go check that out. If that does mean you pause this episode and don't come back to it, uh, we totally understand. But definitely some really great stuff to go and listen to those because all of them have different, I would say, niches of experience. Obviously, Wes works for the Packers. Aaron's been covering them for a long, long time. Dusty gets more into the analytics of the you know the playbook calling peter kind of a little bit overarching strategy and justice definitely has some hot takes i think he likes to get off and um interesting to hear all those takes so if you haven't already go check pack a day podcast out on the youtube side and definitely crush those on your weekend leading up to training camp because eli we are less than a week away from training camp this will be the last episode we have before training camp officially starts so excited to get there it sounds like um i will be at training camp on Thursday. I was going to go Wednesday, got some work stuff that I need to prioritize. Thursday is a little bit more wide open for me to go there for an hour. You're going to be headed to training camp as well? Is that and which, which day are you getting down there? Or so up there? Uh, I'm still trying to finalize some things and I'm hoping to make it work. But yeah, I made sure to at least reserve a room for the first two days of training camp. And I hope to make it. Um, I don't want to guarantee just yet, but I will for sure be there uh, during the Packers Patriots joint practices. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I just felt like one trip wasn't necessarily enough. So I'm hoping to make it for uh, the first couple days and then getting back for the Patriots week. Yeah, understandable. I've gone to, I think every other year now, I've gone to like one training camp and it definitely doesn't seem enough. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning just about how short training camp the days are, right? You would think, you'd think from a traditional old school mentality football it's a couple hours but it's really only like an hour hour and a half depending two hours depending how it goes right sometimes they're cut short uh based off of guys are getting tweaked up weather etc um so they all start next week wednesday at 10 30 a.m central standard time is the first practice and then like you mentioned i was just pulling this up here the joint practice which i'm really excited for i was thinking about this morning actually seeing bill belichick on the sideline will be kind of bizarre really close up in person yeah. well that's not until August 16th, which is about four weeks away. So um, that'll be interesting. I think the last time they had one was with the Texans, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was with the Jets, but um, definitely yeah, a cool thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a cool thing that. Um, I think we had the Saints and still. Here. No? Saints. There you go. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. I, I I just remember the Texans won early on. Lonnie Johnson, Jay Sternberger getting into a shuffle and it kind of oh, just yeah. scuffle. So that's, I always remember that one because I think that was the first one they did. Uh, post Mike McCarthy because he never had one but yeah. I digress so <clears throat> let's get into the bulk of the episode the meat and potatoes if you will Eli kind of looking at some things you know we've done some superlatives we've done some analysis we've done some off the wall episodes just to kind of get you guys through but the main thing we want to talk about today is three position groups that we think what is the worst case scenario that could happen with the position group and I want to say these three position groups there probably is more on the pessimistic side of the way we're looking at this as far as overall fans um, that have got into it, you know, we, you know, as in the Packers sphere, Eli can definitely get into the weeds. Some of us maybe live in the weeds a little bit more when it comes to the Packers stuff. So we get yeah. a little bit more nitty gritty with certain players. Um, but the three groups we're going to bring up today are the safety group, the receiver group, 
at the outside linebacker group. And I and I say again, I think most of the, all three of these position groups, there are some silver linings to be had there, but definitely some question mark concerns. I think there's an argument maybe to be had for inside backer, corner with some injuries there, maybe interior D-line, tight end. But these three, I feel like without fail, every episode since February, whether it was draft coverage with me you and Rob, whether it's with Janelle and, and us three, like, I feel like one of these position groups have been brought up in every single freaking episode, no matter what it has. So I think it makes sense that we start with these. So let's stick on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's maybe gotten a little bit more a buzz this week. I know listening to um, the five episodes that I mentioned on the YouTube side, I think the receiver group got up, brought up a lot more than I expected. Justice had a really good kind of take. They talked about how uh, Christian Watson should be utilized, could be utilized, shouldn't be utilized. So let's start with the receiver group. You look at the receiver group. Jeff Cotton, I believe, yes, that Jeff Cotton is the elder statesman on that roster at 24 years of age. Um, after that, we look at you know just straight who's got more playing time on this team, and it would be with the departure of Lazard, Randall Cobb, um, and obviously Devontae Adams two years ago. It's really Christian Watson as the number one receiver on this team, followed in suit with, of course, Romeo Dobbs, who uh, – had a decent training camp. I think everyone was super, super jacked up for him last year. That never ended up you know, manifesting itself at all. Correction. Uh, Jeff Cotton's 26. So super, super old guy there. Uh, then we have Samari Toure, Jaden Reed, one of the darlings that I'm, I know particularly I'm going to be watching out for um, when I go to training camp or even just watching the Twitter timeline has been none other than Malik Heath, undrafted dude out of Mississippi. A lot of people have been talking about him, bigger body, 6'2", 213. And that just kind of gives you the rundown of the guys out there. I'd say a little peripheral guys. Obviously, Grant Dubois was drafted out of Charlotte late in this year. Detavion Wicks also was drafted. A um, couple UDFA guys or guys that maybe just been on the roster for a while that we kind of forgetting. I already mentioned Jeff Cotton. J.D. Kiss Bonds was a UDFA out of Hampton. And I believe Deuce Watts was also a UDFA. So... That's kind of the positional breakdown for not positional breakdown, but the the receivers they have on the roster, Eli. And I'm just going through counting real fast, doing some math. They have 11 receivers on the roster. Um, that I guess is laying the playing field. Where what is? Let's start positive. What's the best case scenario for this receiver group? Whether it's the top three or four that I mentioned, the bottom six or seven. What are your kind of your thoughts for this receiver group and? Um, I guess, what are your high, high, high-end expectations for the 2023 campaign with a new quarterback under center? Yeah, so I, I mostly, you know, obviously there's a lot to still be proved to be proven by this group, but I'm pretty optimistic overall with the wide receiver group, at least compared to maybe some of the other position groups you might talk about today or just in general. But if we want to talk about best-case scenario that I can imagine, and we're talking best, best-case it starts obviously with Christian Watson uh, building off of what he did last season, playing, you know, staying healthy. And when that's just say for all of them, staying healthy is the best case scenario. And then beyond that, Watson, I mean, obviously, if we just hit those four games and put it over a 16 game season, it's a 17 game season, he would end up with like 30 touchdowns. So obviously, we can't do that. But Watson goes and does what we saw him do, which is be a game breaker, both deep, catch a ball short, run, no one's catching him, maybe do, you know, a jet sweep with some screen passes, just getting him the ball and watching him just simply be an athletic freak, which is what we saw him do last year. So 
Christian Watson just taking that next step and solidifying himself as a true wide receiver one in the NFL. And then behind him, and I know you mentioned uh, Justice and some of his uh, takes. Um, I saw that he was had some concerns about Romeo Dobbs uh, in general, and I'm sure I've said it on this show. I've definitely said it on Twitter, but I feel very opposite about Romeo Dobbs, as in I'm extremely high on him. Uh, obviously, I think Watson has a higher ceiling, but in terms of like a floor, I think Dobbs has a safer floor, and I just see him kind of as like <clears throat> almost, and I'm not saying he's there yet, and he may never get there, but the way I see him play kind of reminds me of Donald Driver. Great reception kind of guy. He can also stretch the field, but not necessarily going to be his go-to, but someone that you can rely upon target on you know third and six you could go to Dobbs on a quick slant and yeah he did struggle a little bit with drops last year but at the same time he also made some of the most impressive hand catches of anyone on the team and just in general for a rookie and not even a rookie just I always find it you know you hear coaches talk about guys catching the ball with their hands not always going to the body that's when things can get, kind of get messed up and Romeo Dobbs has some really impressive tape of just using his hands and snagging some real fast liners out of uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I'm excited about Dobbs. I think best case scenario is, again, obviously stays healthy. But he, he I don't know, it's weird. I feel like a lot of people were kind of disappointed with his rookie season when I was completely the opposite. So, you know, I think he takes another step and becomes almost like, maybe like an Alan Lazard kind of like the guy that love can rely upon on, you know, short yardage. And yeah, I mean, Watson, he's going to be the bigger playmaker just is what it is, but that doesn't take away from what Dobbs can do. And then behind those two was obviously a lot of question marks, but we've heard nothing but praise about Samori Toure basically all off season, put on some muscle looking really good. So whether it's him or Jaden Reed or one of the other young guys, as long as they can get a number three that is at least reliable and being a consistent three, which doesn't mean being a star, but, you know, maybe finish like in the 600 yards range, maybe five touchdowns, you know, nothing crazy, but where it's not all, okay, Watson Dobbs, we need you to do everything on every play because at the end of the day, those guys are still second year guys. They're still coming into themselves. So overall though, if you want to talk best case scenario for this group, it's Watson being the clear leader of it with Dobbs not being like super far behind. Like I think they could be a really nice duo going forward. And then you get Jaden Reed, get him in there. Some, you know, some screens, some jet, jet sweeps, reverses, whatever. Obviously that's just gadget stuff beyond the regular receiver stuff that I'm sure he's going to do. So there's a lot of, I think, versatility, size, speed, a lot of things that are exciting from this group. And obviously they're all very young. So it's hard to predict, but if you want to talk purely upside, there's a ton of it. Yeah, I'm going to call a little audible here. Instead of us both giving our positive and negative, I'll just go through a little rotation. You went through you know, the positive things that can come from this group, and I think there's definitely absolute merit to some of what you're talking about. We've been, what, 12 minutes in this episode, and we're going to bring up Justice's name for the third or fourth time, and he talked about the way Romeo Dobbs struggled with press coverage this last year, and one of the best things about um, consuming all this Packers content, even, you know, have you and I've been doing pack a day for years and years and years and the other content we put out and watching Twitter and, you know, watching YouTube breakdowns or even just reading blogs. Like there's stuff that you miss just in the, in 
takes that you don't normally you know get into your brain whether it's a conversation you and i are having conversation at work with friends whatever but that was something that i didn't <clears throat> really realize and i was going under this impression that romeo dobbs had a huge off season had a huge training camp preseason was solid was almost I would say, I mean, started off good, but then had those issues with the injury, with the ankle. And I was associating his struggles to that. Didn't really realize that press coverage based off of Justice's analysis was such a factor. So that's number one. I think if you want to be able to play in this league and it goes with any position, if there finds a weak spot that a player cannot get past, whether it's a bull rush as a a right tackle or they can't handle some physical guy on the edge or they – whatever they can't you know you're going to get exposed for that and hopefully in year two he can make those strides I guess my pessimism here is they're just so so young there is no safety blanket right like there's zero continuity other than some extended time probably in this offseason out in California or wherever the hell uh Jordan loves throwing passes around to whatever receivers are you know they're getting connected with that's number one it's just the lack of continuity I also think that Talent-wise, Christian Watson seems to me like the only pure number one guy. And if you run into a scenario um, where there are some better defensive backs that you're going up against, a good defense, we saw that for the Giants last year, right? They took away a lot of what the Packers wanted to do. And if you're able to shut down one side of the field, a particular player for a quarter, a half, and all of a sudden you go away completely from him, whether it be Love with his decision-making or Matt LaFleur with his play calling. Well, now you're asking guys, like we mentioned, Romeo Dobbs to make plays, Samari Toure, a couple rookies here and there. And like, that's the problem where I see like, if a guy gets shut down, like a Christian Watson, who steps up previous years, it was Alan Lazard previous years. It was Randall Cobb and those guys would make plays. And now you talk in, if you really want to get negative, what happens if there's an injury across either of these three or four guys, right? What if Jane Reed gets banged up? He's not as used as much as the gadget guy or can make a you know a physical runner down the seam. Romeo Dobbs, which Josh just mentioned, might fall into that Randall Cobb role. Just kind of underneath, slant guy, make your plays. Christian Watson has the opportunity to take the top off the defense. They lack a little bit of speed, I, I, I feel like, at receiver. I think the best way to understand speed will be next week when you or I or both of us end up at training camp and you see guys in one-on-ones. It's like, oh insert player name he looks a little bit quicker than I thought so my main concern is that if a player like Christian Watson is taken away what happens an injury and also we didn't really see a full season out of Watson right there were mental lapses that he had I understand the caveat is there him and Dobbs were rookies but seeing a full season under his belt is I think that's something to be very very desired for like he only had 41 receptions right that's not a ton of time granted I think those seven touchdowns he had was great. He got a bulk of those in about two games. So uh, played in 11 – or excuse me, played in 14, started at 11. I, some of that went away because of the fact that, you know, Rodgers put him to the sideline a couple times early on. So I am I am cautiously optimistic with the receiving group, just like I am the rest of the entire roster. But I am a little bit nervous that there is just a lack – across this whole team, a lack of veteran leadership and we need a guy to make a play, right? Third and seven fourth quarter down five you need to continue a drive you don't have that Lazard there to make a big catch down the sideline you don't have Cobb there just to catch the ball and take a massive hit what the hell happens who do you rely on I think those will develop as we get on but that's those are some of my main concerns with the receiver group and then frankly we talked about four guys really that are the main dudes maybe five 
what the hell help happens with the rest? Because there used to be a conversation for many, many years, last three or four, where you'd look and be like, damn, do they keep seven receivers? Do they keep eight? Do they keep six? And right now it's like six seems likely based off of where they are with their tight end group and maybe some running backs. So we'll see what happens. Um, let's stick to, well, not stick. Let's go to the offense. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We'll go with uh, outside linebacker. We'll work our way through the trenches. I'll start positive. I think this one's a little bit easier to go negative, but I'll start positive. Positively, when healthy, you might have one of the more dynamic, physical freaks in the NFL that is an up-and-coming star in Rayshon Gary. Yes, he's coming off a knee injury. Yes, he's only 25 years old. Will it take a little bit while for him to get back to full strength? Probably not this year. Probably in 2025, more than likely. But I think... You know, end of 2022, uh, excuse me, end of 2021, you saw some signs when he was playing next to Zadarius Smith that it was like, okay, this guy can be great. This guy is going to be really, really damn good and had some, I think, some PFF PFF numbers that kind of flew off the board. Hey, this looks awesome. Going into last year, I started was becoming more of a believer that coincided with national media, I think, getting attention that he was going to be a, a great player. So I'm super optimistic once he comes back, what he does. I'm also very optimistic that the Packers, like they generally do with injury injured players, will not rush him back unless he is um, you know, needed to be called upon. They've done this with superstars year in and year out. Elton Jenkins, Jerry Alexander, David Bakhtiari. The list can go on and on and on of players that they will not rush back just based off of they don't need to. We're not going to you know, extinguish any momentum this player has. The next one, and I think we talked about him a little bit last week, is just Lucas Van Ness. Like they're going to they're going to put him into the rotation. Need be. They're not going to rush him out there like they do with really any of their rookies, especially defensive rookies. So he'll get a taste of it. I am curious to see if they'll just let him run right away because he might just be that damn good. But we've probably thought that about other guys. Yeah. Go a little bit deeper as far as veteran dudes. Preston Smith had probably one of his worst years was that in 2021. 2020, I think, was also not great, but bounced back last year and was phenomenal. And I think is that veteran leader they need. After that, it's kind of a, a toss-up. I think, again, you want to talk about staying in the weeds or getting in the weeds. When we're looking at guys like Kin- Kinsley Ingambari had a good year. Um, you know, definitely had some pass rush stuff and explosive plays towards the end of the year, which were great. Jonathan Garvin, still a super, super young guy, came in league at 20 years old, is only 23 years old, actually has a birthday week from this episode coming out. Um, he'll be 24 years old, so, like, awesome to see what he can do. Brenton Cox, which is a guy that I'm absolutely ecstatic for, right? We know the character issues he had at Florida, but maybe he can stay on the field and finds a home with the Packers who can cultivate, I would say they're probably in the top five, top ten of, organizations that can cultivate maybe a little bit of a knucklehead or just need some maturity issues. And they have, I think, a good group of guys around him. Justin Hollins is a guy that I think can produce. Darius Hamilton's done it in spurts. Um, I, I really like what they have here at depth. You look at the top three, Preston, Gary when healthy, and Vaness. I really, really think you could find a couple guys in the back end that can just contribute whoever that is. Inigbari, Garvin, Brenton Cox, if you can get into the rotation. Justin Hollins, like whoever that is, I think really has an opportunity. If you have four solid guys in a rotation, I'm fine. And you have like, you know, just a guy type guy, just a jag would be Garvin or Hollins. That'd be cool. I, I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, I think also you look a little bit further of their counterparts in the interior defensive line, that they've shored that up. They've got some thicker guys in there that I think can help uh, as well. We won't have to rely on. 
two hands in the dirt with Rayshon Gary when healthy. It sounds like Lucas Vanessa they want to use in the same way. Depending on how you think of those two gentlemen, we haven't seen enough for Vanessa yet, but I personally feel that Gary does really well with his two hands in the dirt, but maybe is better standing up. We'll see what happens with Van S, but I'm, I'm really excited for this group. And my only negative thing that I'll parlay into you in a good segue is I think they, I would have liked to see them bring in another guy this off season. They really didn't do bring in anyone. The UDFA with Brenton Cox might be one, but I thought they'd bring in another veteran guy, similar to like a Justin Hollins, but, or an Eric Wilson or not Eric Wilson, but interior uh, linebacker, but I thought they'd bring another guy like Justin Holland. So what are your thoughts, Eli? I think there's some low-hanging fruit here, but I'm curious what do you kind of think of some of the, maybe the takes I made and um, your thoughts on that outside linebacker group that needs to get after the freaking passer. Yeah. Well, I would start off saying that I don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they do end up bringing in an edge at some point. Um, and maybe you can real quick look at spot rack or whatever to see who might be out. I know we did an episode sure. a few weeks ago about who might be out there, but because they do seem to make a lot of signings, you know, kind of late off season and depending on how the season's going, we've seen Goody bring in guys even during the season, but looking at the group, I mean, like you said, like it's hard because it's never fun being negative, but mm-hmm. in this case for this group, you know, obviously yes, Rashawn Gary went healthy at a hundred percent, he has everything that the makings of a star. And we saw that happening the end of 2021 and the beginning of last year. It was very clear that he was on a trajectory to be, and not on a trajectory, he was. He was an absolute game wrecker. And in terms of him, I think he does have that versatility that he could put two hands in the dirt or he could be standing and really be great either way. But I just prefer to see him standing because I just think his speed and power off the edge, the combo of both, are pretty rare and really hard for tackles to deal with, but the same could be said for guards. So he's just a, he's a menace wherever he lines up. The problem is coming off a torn ACL that happened mid to late last year. And like you mentioned, even if he gets on the field this year, which I mean, I think he will, but let's say best case scenario. And the way I'm seeing it is we have such an early buy is like, it doesn't make sense. He's going to come back before then. So maybe he comes back after the buy it's not after the bye, then like, let's say week eight, just throw it mid-season, comes in week eight, he's, you know, you got to get, he's not, not everyone's Adrian Peterson, it takes time to get over an ACL, he comes in in week eight, we might not see even real full shades of what Gary could be until week 12, 13, or whatever it is, and then yeah, you would hope, let's say he finishes off the season strong, gives us confidence, he's back to where he was, and maybe, you know, gets himself a, a nice fat contract, which would be great to see. But again, all that is a big question mark, and we got to see about his health. And then you have Preston Smith, who I'm a huge fan of, and I love his leadership in the locker room and all that. But like you mentioned, 2020 and 2021 were not the best seasons he's had. Last year was better, but he's had this weird thing in his career where it's like, I don't think he's had two years in a row where he's had eight sacks. I think like every year it's like eight, four, eight, three, whatever it is. So Hopefully he breaks that trend this year, but another year older. Uh, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on. And then basically behind the two of them, like, sure, you have Vaness, who we're all excited about, but you have to wonder, number one, where are they going to line him up predominantly? Is he going to be on the inside? Is he going to be on the outside? And then even once you figure that out, and for this argument, let's just say he's on the outside, he's a rookie. And like you said, even though we might want to see him out there week one playing 40 snaps, we know the way this team runs. It is pretty unlikely 
Lucas Van Ness is starting on the edge week one or really anytime soon unless there are fingers crossed, whatever, knock on wood, injuries. So that's going to take a bit of time. And then, I mean, once you get past those three, like you said, it's basically a group of, of guys that, you know, almost like the receiver position. It's like a bunch of bodies that you hope maybe someone will step up. And I like that you brought up Brenton Cox Jr. because just a really exciting player, especially mm-hmm. to get him as an undrafted player. We all know why he was undrafted, but if it wasn't for some off the field stuff, he's for sure being drafted. He's probably being drafted before day three. So that means he's going to be a top third, you know, at least a third round pick at worst. So that's a good player to get undrafted just because of some off the field stuff. And like you said, this team is great at both maturing guys, but also uh, working with undrafted free agents and making them a real part of the team. We see it year in, year out. So there are some pieces. Of course, Kingsley Nagbari had a positive rookie season. We got to see what he can do coming off of that and depending on how much playing time he gets. But the real, I guess, issue and thing that makes me nervous about this group would be, let's say, the first six to eight weeks of the season when there's no Gary. Preston Smith, like, again, we all love him, but he's not necessarily the game wrecker that maybe we hoped he'd be or maybe he was in 2019. So, yeah, he's going to get, you know, he'll get his six to eight sacks. He'll make his plays, but on a down-to-down basis, I don't know if we have someone that's going to be really, really getting after the quarterback, consistently putting a ton of pressure on the offensive line. So it makes me nervous that I just feel like without Gary there, they're going to need Van Ness to step up or Inigbari to really solidify what he did last year. Someone's got to do it because as great as Preston Smith is, he's not producing you know a ton of pressures every game. And if you don't have anyone opposite him, They'll just double double team them. You know, you could put a tight end out there, have the left guard go on Preston Smith. You could have the running back chip him. Next thing you know, Preston Smith is removed from the play. And then you're hoping some, you know, either Kingsley Nagbari, who's a fifth round pick, or Van Ness, who's a rookie, and we don't know yet what he's going to be, hoping they're going to be the guy. So that's a lot of pressure to put on a young guy. So that that's the one thing that makes me nervous. Again, this could all be alleviated with Lucas Van Ness being a complete freak. But as of now, there's just a lot more question marks than certainties in this group. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Oh, I love that. Like, super good breakdown. A um, couple things as a, you know, the producer here threw a couple things in here to Eli. One couple of edge guys out there um i would say yannick and is probably one that i've seen get a little bit more um buzz if you will for packers twitter he would be a potential outside backer or dn i should say outside backer wise uh a little bit of troll here vince beagle's one that's on there but outside of that not a ton of dudes based on the spot mean, rack what's uh, that no i heard the name is in a process at first but that's <laughs> yeah uh, not another ton of dudes out there. I think I maybe mentioned Trey Flowers on that episode you're referencing from like a month ago, but not a ton of guys out there. Second thing, um, just going back a little bit more of the Rayshon Gary thing. Uh, love the fact that you're bringing up hypotheticals when he'll come back. I think the one, I wouldn't say week seven, because we're looking at the schedule that's at Denver after the bye week, but I feel like at home um, week eight might be make some sense. I just feel like sometimes having a guy come in on a road game, especially in Denver, is a little bit of a tougher ask. But yeah. I digress off that. And then um, he did tear his knee, if you want to go back, it was week nine versus the Lions. That's November 6th. And if you go 365 days, technically 364 days, um, week nine of this year is November 5th. If you want to go really hypothetical on one year, I realize we are probably – five, six, seven, eight years removed from that medical standard that is a full year for a guy to come back, probably closer to 10 or nine months. I know, like you mentioned, Adrian Peterson has impacted our perspective on that, but I think just the way guys rehab is a little bit different. So we'll see what happens. I think you brought up some really, really great points. I I don't know. I don't know what to expect from this group. I do know that, uh, you, like you mentioned, up and down with Preston Smith does make me worried. The lack of them having another guy out there, the lack of even – a guy that I'm optimistic over um, that is even somewhat under 30 years old in the free agency pool is, is concerning because the guys I mentioned are, but everyone after that is some big names, you know, Mario Addison, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Carlos Dunlap, JPP, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks. Yeah. Those guys are contributors. Most of those guys I mentioned are more of DNs in a four, three, um, and I think in this day and age, guys like JPP have transitioned pretty well into a stand-up backer. And, you know, Melvin Ingram's been able to be a hybrid. Justin Houston's made a career off of just being an absolute freak on the edge. But I don't know what you would get if you're bringing a guy off the street at this point. So you would hope the UDFA being Brenton Cox would be able to contribute. But I think it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, Justin Hollins, I believe, was acquired midway through the season last year to see what he does with this position group. And I then I think – Go ahead. No, not to cut you off, but I, I do think like, Justin Hollins – like. He didn't play a ton, but when he did, he picked up like a sack or two, a sack and a half maybe might have been. But uh-huh. uh, I think uh, he can put it this way. If he ends up being your, like you said, your jag, your guy who comes in as your, like, I think you're in great shape because like Jonathan Garvin with Darius Hamilton, maybe they've shown it a couple flashes on some, but like, I don't think those are guys that we really want to be seeing taking meaningful snaps. No. And you look at Justin Holland, so he kind of fits the mold, right? 27 years old, 6'5", uh, 250, love the size on the kid. So we'll see what happens, but he might be the one that, you know, as he's been on the team a little bit longer, 
get his feet under him a little bit more just based off of being on the team. And we saw some good consistency from him. So the final one, Eli, is a safety group. And the safety group is, I guess I have to take the negative approach in this one. That makes it easy. It's in shambles. It is complete. It is, it is, it's tough. And we had talked about a potential on that episode. You mentioned the free agency, one of them bringing back some guys. Adrian Amos we brought up. Well, he signed to the Jets, the uh, the New York, the New York Packers, as or whatever the hell we're calling them these days. You look at some of the other gentlemen they brought in, whether it be uh, Jonathan Owen, getting more buzz about his wife or fiance or whoever that that is. Um, it's so crazy that you just said that because literally, what? not even a minute ago, I got a I got a comment from Rob Rieger on Twitter. Uh-huh. Yesterday, I said, who's your breakout player this year? And he wrote, Mr. Biles. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Respect to Simone Biles and Jonathan Owen. So, I, you know, Darnell Savage, he's your number one safety. Like, that is definitive, just like the receiver core. He is definitively your number one. There will be, there might be some guys that have some talent that are raw, that are super young, under 20 years old, you know, 24, 25 years old. Don't know what you're going to get from them. And then you look at the other guys that they brought in, UDFA, Benny Sapp, uh, Tavarius Moore, real good Madden guy, good user when he was on the Niners, but not much of a contributing starter. Dallin Levitt, we know he's an absolute menace and maybe a psychopath, but more of a special teams dude. Enos Gaines, one of Andy Herman's favorite guys the last couple of years in in training camp, but really haven't seen him do much um, other than special teams. Contributed a little bit on defense, but a little bit of a thumper. You like to see that. Rudy Ford, who has been my guy uh, for the last, I would say, half ladder of 2022, started hot in that Cowboys game, kind of fell down physically, not physically, but, you know, figuratively, had some missed tackles, contributed on special teams, kind of was plugged in there when Savage or Amos were dinged up, Um, had some highs, had some lows. We'll see what he does, but he's 28 years old. Anthony Johnson Jr., which I'm pretty optimistic on. I think he'll be a, a solid dude to get in there. And then really, that's it. There's no one else on this roster that I'm, you know, jacked up about. I, I, there's other DBs that I'm pretty pumped about, and I want to see what they do specifically. I want to see what Keyshawn Nixon can do. Carrington Love, I know, is getting a ton of love, haha, funny, of stuff that he might contribute. But really, the safety group, my biggest challenge is who the hell is the number two safety? Like, that's the part I can't figure out. Let's just say Darnell Savage has a good year, and he bounces back. And it sounds like from OTAs, everything that was coming out of camp there, everyone was saying he's doing fine. That's great. We'll take that for what it is when they're in shells and spandex, but let's see what happens once they get into training camp, get into preseason, get into actual meaningful games. We'll say that he is a consistent B minus, C plus safety, maybe even gets to a B, but who the hell is the second guy? Is it Rudy Ford? Is it Jonathan Owens? Is it Tavarius Moore? He's got some veteran, you know, him and Jonathan Owens have some veteran in them. I, I just don't know if there's a single dude that I'm comfortable with. Now, it'll be fun because it's wide open, but I really don't know if most of these guys contribute more on special teams, if if they can contribute more on defense than they do on special teams because that's what most of them have came from. It's a special teams background, which is great. Awesome for Rich Passaccia, good for him, but really it there's a lot to be desired. We are not far from removed from haha Clinton Dix being a safety. We're not far removed from just safety play overall being questionable. 
And that's the that's the scary part is that there is some injuries in the front end of the defensive backs, uh, you know, corners. I'm pretty optimistic the way it seems like Eric Stokes has been progressing. When you get him, Douglas, and Jair out there, that they'll be able to lock it down. But if you want, you know, your defensive backs to make plays and the pass rush doesn't come this year, and it still is more of an issue for the safeties and the DBs to cover. What the hell does that look like? Because even when they've been really, really talented, when Savage was having a good sophomore and junior season and Amos was there, it was still, you know, there were still times where there'd be quarters, drives, it was just, it wasn't there. So I'm, I'm really, really concerned. I am, like I said, it's going to be fun to go on Thursday and to see what the safety group looks like between these other eight guys, nine guys, whoever I've mentioned, that's not Savage. I'm excited to look at that and what these guys look like. Some of their physical attributes are relatively around the same size, between 5'11 to 6'1 and 195 to 210. Like, that's a pretty consistent range there. I'm sure some of them will look a little bit bigger or smaller when they get on the field. But that's that's my main concern is just who the hell is that number two? And that's even – and I've said this in the last half of – this you know rant is that that's even assuming that Darnell Savage can do what he needs to do, and he is the veteran of that group, uh, based off of them being you know on the Packers. Obviously, Tavares Moore, Levitt, oh, Owens have been around the league a little bit longer, and Rudy Ford. But man, I I don't know what this safety group looks like, and if all of a sudden again, an injury does happen, I think this position group is worse off than the receiver group is. So I'm not sure what your thoughts are. We need Janelle here probably for more of a optimistic point of view on all these groups. What are your thoughts on the safety group and what the hell they're going to come up with this year? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mentioned some question marks at outside linebacker, but you can just put this entire position group as one huge question mark. Cause like you said, you're just, and there's, you have to assume Darnell Savage is the number one, but that's a big assumption that number one, He's going to be the number one, and more importantly, he's going to play like a number one. That is the real big assumption, and we have no idea if that is going to actually happen. You know, Savage, I know there's been talks about him maybe playing in the nickel, but I think Keyshawn Nixon has kind of taken over that now. But, I mean, it's rough. You want to talk about who could be the number two? I I do happen to be high, pretty high on Jonathan Owens. I I do think he definitely has – He's a bit of a liability in coverage, uh, but as a tackler, he's pretty sound, which I always, I value safeties who are physical and can make tackles. And he's definitely that again, not a great cover safety, but then, you know, you want to talk about the rookie Anthony Johnson, who I'm not sure how he ended up going to the seventh round. I feel like every episode we end up talking about him and it's basically all optimism and praise because everyone's excited about him. It just, it just is what it is. And I think I said this, I don't know which episode, but maybe a month or two ago, but it wouldn't surprise me all that much if come week one, it's Anthony Johnson and Jonathan Owens or Anthony Johnson and Rudy Ford or Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, like Savage might not be the starter. You know, he might be coming off the bench. He might be in the nickel. He might just be, you know, then the Packers, yes, he was a first round pick and they traded up to get him. Or we're in year five, so there's no more leash. There's no more like leeway. If you come out, and let's just say they want to give him, you're the starter till the buy. And if by the buy it's not working, we'll reevaluate. If it if we're five weeks in to year five, and he's still struggling with the same things he's been struggling with, then I hate to say it, but I think we we just have to call it like it is what it is. And at that point, <clears throat> you can't continue to try to just force it to work just because of what you spent on him. At the end of the day. 
it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I hope it does. I, I don't know. I said this also that Savage might be the my favorite player I've ever watched in the pre-draft process. Like, forget just defense or safety. Even all the receivers I've fallen in love with every year, like Darnell Savage, for some reason, maybe it was the name, the way he played, everything about it. I was just obsessed with him. And when they drafted him, I was over the moon. And for the first couple of years, I felt pretty good about that. And now here we are. So it's definitely concerning. Uh, you just have to hope the coaching staff knows some stuff that we don't, because like you mentioned, I don't think there's anyone, you're not bringing any veterans in at this point. So they're going to have to make it work with what they got. It's getting a lot of uh, MD Jennings, Jerron McMillan kind of feelings from a few years ago, which I know I've mentioned before also, but it just is. It's like, it's like every year I feel this position group, the team is like, well, we just didn't have the capital to address it. So we're going to hope it works. And sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. So you do have the very least savage, like he should be good. Like he has all the tools to be good. He just has to put it together. And if he could, and then it's really just finding that number two, I think between, <clears throat> excuse me, between Johnson, Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens, they'll be able to find a two who's at least serviceable. But yeah, you know, here we are once again, talking about the Packers safety group as, as a real problem and potentially, you know, the Achilles heel of this defense. Thank you for getting into your bag of former safeties because the MD Jennings couldn't come to mind, Atari Bigby I had, but yes, those are names that as fun as they are to bring up, they caused a lot of angst and probably uh, more consumed adult beverages than anything else they really did for the Packers, for Packers fans. So we'll see what happens, man. I think those are the couple, um, those are the couple positions that I'm most concerned about yet have some optimism for because there are silver lining then in a positive note there are some young there is some young talent there right every single group we mentioned which is a you know common number for the Packers has some young talent that maybe needs to be unlocked maybe needs to give opportunities in a new place and just overall can contribute but at the end of the day that youth might be part of some growing pains early on in the first half of the season before the bye week and then you know as we get into December but Solid episode from us. You know, shout out. I had a few guys get made it to the end of the episode. We appreciate it. If you haven't already, listen to what the hell I'm saying. I'll repeat it again. Go check out Packaday Podcast on the YouTube side. Check out all five episodes Andy did from this last week from Aaron Nagler, Wes Hodkowitz, Peter Bukowski, Justice Mosqueda, and of course, the who did Janelle say it was? Dusty Evely, but I forgot who she coined him with last week. Was it the, the oh. grandfather? Something, something oh, like the, the, the uncle, the maybe? Uncle, uncle of Packers Twitter. So yeah. go check those out. I think every single piece from them, it's like a new take or a new thought or a new perspective that I'm taking into training camp and going into preseason. Um, for myself, if you already haven't checked out what I'm doing, uh, you can find all my stuff on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M A T T underscore F R A underscore. If there's something you want me to keep an eye on for you when I'm at training camp on Thursday, let me know, tweet at me, DM me, whatever. Um, trying to figure out the best way to put out content when I'm there. Um, sometimes sulfur service sucks. Sometimes it's tough to put out a video. Sometimes things are moving so fast. You literally just are bouncing around like a chicken with your head cut off with, you know, this position group to this drill and it's gone. And all you did was write down a couple notes in your 
cell phone that are like, wow, Tariq Carpenter's big, and that's all you have. So if anyone has anything they want me to stick out, uh, let me know, but I'm trying to figure out the best way to put out some stuff there. Maybe we'll put out some of the content on threads. Who knows, Eli? Maybe that's that's one of the spots we'll put out, but more than likely not. Uh, if you haven't already checked out Packaday Podcast on Twitter, please go and give us a follow there. Eli, what do you got going on? What sort of content are you putting out now? I know you're getting in position to start putting some more stuff out, but um, let everyone know where they can get a hold of you and uh, what you got going for this uh, leading up to training camp, post, uh, not postseason. I guess, yeah, post off season, preseason, and the regular season. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, hopefully we'll be at the first couple training camps, but for sure we'll be there in the middle. So, obviously, I'll be, uh, you know, breaking down everything I see over there. And I'll be doing that on Twitter, where you can find me at Book of Eli underscore NFL. Uh, my writing, which uh, will pick up a bit more now that we're getting into camp and preseason over at PackerReport.com. Um, yeah, I think I'll be taking a closer look at the receiver situation, and specifically the number three and who maybe could step up. So keep an eye out for that. And then, yeah, so I think I said this every week, but... Now the training camp is starting. There's really no room for error. So the pack, uh, my show with Janelle Mackey and Zach Jacobson, our show, I should say, um, we should be back this week. We will put out an official date and time on our Twitter page over at the pack underscore show. And I will just say, without giving away too much, I think we may have a couple of very exciting quarterback-specific guests coming up in the next few weeks. So you're... You're going, to want, you're going to want to check that out over again at the pack underscore show on Twitter. I think I have an idea of who it is, but I'm just going to go out on a limb, just a random guess. You're going to get Scott Tolzien on or Seneca Wallace. That's what you're going to do. That's You're definitely yeah. going to go into your bag with that. Um, final thing I want to bring up, I haven't really mentioned this, and I guess Eli's kind of flirted around with it that they're doing the pack on their own. Um, I'm not doing content with Game on Wisconsin this year, uh, but if you have not checked out what Game on Wisconsin is doing, go give – the friends over there, um, most of them that do content on Game of Wisconsin have either been a part of Packaday Podcast at one point, currently are a part of it, or just been an absolute ally where it's like, oh, this person's never done content with us, but they're a part of it. So go check them out on all their social medias, on their YouTube stuff. I know Lombardi's Bar, which is one of my favorite um, shows that they put over there, is with Dan Kotnick, Todd Barney, who is on his uh, pilgrimage across America and back. Of course, the... I don't even know how to describe Jimmy Christensen in this day and age. And they have, you know, Dan, Jimmy's still a part of it, but they have Dan who not only Eli, did he retire the bow tie? The bow tie is no more, which I thought was an absolute great shtick, but they also demoted Dan from head bartender slash host, just a patron because they recruited Jasmine uh, Ashley to be, or Jasmine Edwards, I believe, to be their host. And the first episode got off the rails. She definitely got a good taste of what the boys put out. But go check them, or Jasmine Meadows, excuse me. Go check them out and uh, go follow Game on Wisconsin because they also put out great content as well. But for myself, Matt Fralick, Eli Berkovich, Janelle Mackey, going for back-to-back years of Ant of the Year, this has been another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. And as always, go Pack-Go. Go.